to start off, since, you know, last time we started with our favorite pizza topping, you know, a classic Ninja Turtles topic, I thought it would be funny to talk about, you know, hypothetically, if the, like, Michael Bay produced Ninja Turtles films got that, you know, third film, I thought it would be funny to talk about what would be the worst casting options. (laughs) Because, I mean, we'll talk about it more in the actual episode, but, like, there were a lot of issues in terms of, like, uh, voice acting, in terms of the actual physical actors on set, in terms of re-dubbing people and whatnot, right. and schedule conflicts. And by the time the second film, I think, had come out, practically all the Ninja Turtle actors were like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore, even if they make a third one. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so if they did I, make a third one and nobody wanted to come back, who yeah. would we put? Do you have any first I mean, up to I bat? Think, you, had a, you had, I think, a Leonardo choice... That is uh, awful, but not because he's a bad actor. Oh. <laughs> Just like as a, as a horrible choice. I think for me, what comes to mind is Pete Davidson as Michelangelo. Oh, man. That would be one for the one for the 21st century, Here's, one for the I, SNL crew. We never really – we don't talk about Pete Davidson at all in this podcast because we're <laughs> never going to – I don't think King of Staten Island is really going to be an odd trilogy at the moment. We might make some passing comments about uh, the Suicide Squad in August. I think we will. I mean, Pete's so – Yeah, I think he is. Um I feel like he's full blown just going to die early yeah, on, yeah. and that's going to be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think Pete Davidson is the type of comedian who is funny, but studios and SNL just kind of like not really abuse, but just overuse. Yeah. In terms of like, oh, people like this guy. We need to keep using him in everything. Right. Because he really is not, he's not an actor. No, he's he he plays himself, and he knows that, and he's yeah. always kind of said that. Yeah, but people keep pushing him to do more of like stuff, and no, it's yeah. like, and he's got that. I mean, he's very much like kind of a like a dry sort of deadpan stoner humorist. Yeah, and that coming out of Mikey's mouth, and Mikey's oh. like the most like animated of the turtles. Yes, that would just that would just be so wrong in the best way. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, my my pick you were referencing for Leonardo would also tie into uh, a Splinter casting, because um, I'm thinking. I mean, hear me out. Hear me out here. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> Tom Holland is Leonardo, and Robert Downey Jr. is Splinter. How about we even we could even get in even worse if we oh, just I'm take sure we if we just take Mark Wahlberg as Splinter and Mark. we do the the Uncharted, <laughs> the Uncharted cast. Yeah. We just... yeah, well, let's let's say in this hypothetical timeline where we're getting a third Ninja Turtles film, that third Ninja Turtles film getting green lit ended up canceling the Uncharted live action uh, film. Okay. So then they just pulled all their resources from no. the Uncharted film and put it into Ninja Turtles I, 3. I like to think that if it happened, they just pushed it back again. You know, <laughs> yeah. a film that's been in development hell for more than a decade. Right, yeah. And then, like, Wahlberg's like, I'm... That's also funny. A bit of a side tangent. It's hilarious when the Uncharted film was first announced... Wahlberg was supposed to be Nathan Drake, and now that film has been in development <laughs> hell for so long, he's now a young Sully, which is just the <laughs> funniest thing to think that that's how it goes. But back to the casting. You know, I was going to say Machine Gun Kelly is Raphael, but oh, I feel like that he's he's going to do it a might, song. He'll do a song for the soundtrack yeah, for the third one. Right, right. What I'm thinking, though, is... Well, we, he'd have to do another riff on uh, Shellshock. Yes, yes. But I, what I'm thinking, though, to make it even worse... We'll bring a UFC fighter that everyone loves. Give him a chance. I'm thinking Conor McGregor for Raphael. Oh, my God. <laughs> make him do like a faux Brooklyn accent. Yeah, just like. <laughs> <laughs> Try and force Conor McGregor to do a Brooklyn accent. 
Or don't even force him to do just it. Yeah. Raphael now is just not from Brooklyn anymore. <laughs> He's English. Uh, or is then, he Australian? No. And then for Donatello, Irish? what who do we put for Donatello? Donatello. Uh, I know we talked about somebody, but now I can't remember. Uh, let's. Gosh. You know what? I'm um, no. I, I can't do that because he actually has played a turtle before, and he's funny. Uh, Kyle Mooney. Oh yeah. Kyle Mooney played Michelangelo in the uh, Batman TMNT animated film, oh, yeah. which actually was perfect casting from what I've seen in that film. Uh, you see, that's another thing is I would say worst case scenario is they just make them all white actors again and don't even think about like. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no way a Latino actor can play Donatello, so it's like this awful version of like. Studios not like being tone deaf, oh, like in yeah. this world, like the worst case scenario of this <laughs> is just and no cast a white dude as Shredder doing a like a really awful like Asian stereotype oh, accent. If um, we'll get to we'll get to that to a degree because <laughs> we don't get that horrible degree, but we do get a bit of a tone deafness with yeah, how they oh, do yeah. that first film. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like nerdy actors because it's like. The first one that comes to mind would be Big Head from Silicon Valley, but he literally was just Donatello in the most recent animated oh, show. Really? <laughs> so I'm thinking about what would be... Do we want to do... <laughs> That's an awful choice. I was thinking Chris Hemsworth's character from Ghostbusters. <laughs> so what are they Donatello? Yeah, yeah, Chris Hemsworth is Donatello. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we just turned this into a shitty MCU fan yeah, cast. yeah. Which is almost hilariously as good as any kind of fan casting is of <laughs> yeah. like a property. Right. Um, oh, man. Let's see. Let's think about April O'Neil. I mean, Megan Fox is already pretty awful casting for April O'Neil. <laughs> now nah, she stays. She'll never She'll, leave. She stays. Same with Will Arnett. Um, They're both there. Will Arnett, yeah. But uh, how about how about for Casey Jones? Um, Hmm. That Ma- should be Machine Gun Kelly. Machine- that I was going to say be- Matthew McConaughey. Oh, but Machine Gun God. Kelly is a good pick too. Uh, let's make Matthew McConaughey the Rat King. The Rat King. Let's okay. make him the, the 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 leader of the mutants in the sewers, <laughs> where I don't think has a nose, or at least in the old '80s cartoon, they always wrapped his nose in bandages, so you can never tell if he had yeah. a nose or not. Well, and this would probably be an improvement, but we should go ahead and plug plug Fred Armisen, uh, be- or not Fred Armisen. Um, who was gonna do Krang um, in the out of out of the shadows? Oh uh, it no, was, it was it was Fred. Armisen. Oh Fred Armisen, yeah, bring him back. Replace the dude who voiced him in Out of the Shadows. Bring Fred Armisen back. It's, it's Brad Garrett. It's Ray Romano's oh, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad from Garrett. Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> and which is the funniest thing is like I think uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound like him. It doesn't, but that's the thing too is like I think he's just we'll we'll describe it better. Um, he sounds like his version of Krang in Out of the Shadows has the same version of like a drunk guy at a bar trying to do a Randy Newman impression. Yeah. Like it just feels like he's slurring a lot of words as if he can't enunciate. And yeah, he's, he's doing a lot of spitting noises, it sounds well, like. Because he's the just... character on screen's doing a lot of spitting. Yeah, and it's a it lot is... of characters do a lot of spitting in these movies. Yes. Not the yes. animated TMNT, but the live action ones. Mm-hmm. Kind of gross. Kind of gross. Yeah, that's their fan casting. Well, it sucks, and that's the purpose of it. <laughs> there you go. But uh, you wanted to talk about Black Widow. Oh, well, you know, I mean, Black Widow is the, the big hit this weekend. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I'm, I'm sure it will be. Um, it has to be. There's no, there's, Really, I checked to see if anything else is coming out this weekend, and it was like, 
Not really anything. Yeah. Like nothing saw, in theaters. I saw some article saying that they were that the ticket readings ahead of time were putting it on track to be ahead of F9's that makes opening. Sense. Oh, that definitely makes sense. Um, so could be the the new biggest movie of the post pandemic world. Um but I actually got to see it about a week and a half ago uh for a, an early screening you and did? Uh, yes. yeah. I won't I won't go too into detail cuz I mean I wrote a review it's on the film yap if you want to go check it out but mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Not what I would call necessarily top tier Marvel, um, yeah. but uh, but very solid, and I think uh, kind of a worthwhile backwards venture into the the you know the history of a character who kind of is overdue for a, a solo movie. Um, oh yeah, that's that's all necess- I can really ask yeah, for. Yeah, doesn't necessarily I mean, do all you could do with you know her character, but plenty of good emotional. Uh, exploration and a nice little send-off for her as well as some fun kind of tonal shifts from the MCU because I, I mm-hmm. thought this one was a little darker than I expected. Which is good. They're, I mean, that's... kind that's... of frank with her kind of abusive past. So you you kind of cool. have to be with, yeah, it with wouldn't Black be Widow. Like her her whole thing it. is like you have a bunch of wacky... Wacky per se, but just a bunch of like colorful characters who are a team who fight crime. And then you have... A redhead who's who's Russian in the comics at times. Yeah, right? she's Russian originally. Yes, Russian she's born. Russian originally, and she's got one of the darker pasts of the. Right. She's like she's like almost the cynic in certain versions yeah, of it. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, in terms of just looking at who she is, you know, abilities wise, she's she's a trained killer. Like that's that's yeah. what she was mm-hmm. designed to do. So it's like you know, she's not a space god. She's not nah. a plucky kid who gets powers thrust upon him she was just somebody who lived a life as an assassin for a really long time and then decided you know maybe i should stop doing that or not only stop doing that but try to atone for that yeah just be a hero yeah you know classic so yeah i mean solid solid time i think it's worthwhile um i don't think it's one that like a lot of people will want to like super revisit all the time just because it's you know people the whole appeal, I guess, of the MCU for a lot of people is like, oh, how are we building up towards something greater? Yeah, and this feels like um, it's filling and this out is not places. Doing that. Yeah. And that's not fair to expect that of it. Um, but I just, you know, think a lot of looking back, a lot of people might kind of mm-hmm. brush this one off. But it's, it's, it's a kind of like the movie. equivalent of like one of your favorite authors, you know, working on a new book and you're wondering what it's about. And then they announce it's a prequel. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, oh, that's not a bad thing, but like. Why do we need yeah. something that it's takes kind of place a, between that? It's kind of a that? weird timing, too. Yeah. I mean, it's like 11 years after the character was introduced and two years after they were killed. Well, so. well, that whole thing, it has nothing to do with Feige and Co. That is entirely like the head of Marvel Comics oh, yeah. hating female was, superheroes. Uh, Ike? Yes, uh, Ike. Uh, Perlmutter. Yeah, yeah, Ike Perlmutter. He was yeah. an awful person. If you've ever wondered why it's taken so long to do a Black Widow film, it has nothing to do with the MCU not liking female superheroes. It has been because the head of Marvel Comics has had a vendetta against female-led superhero films to the point where it, take, it took Feige practically the majority of the first half of the, of the of Marvel's, yeah. and the, the MCU, to even get a chance right like it's he's also the guy ike's also the guy that like really pushed like basically getting rid of fantastic four and Mm x-men when they were still held on by fox movie rights wise so they're like we're gonna try and kill their movies by just killing them in the comics (laughs) or pushing them aside and it's like 
That's just really petty. It's petty and <laughs> it's, shady and not yeah. really fair to fans either. Mm-hmm. But now that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. yeah I mean, thankfully, yeah, they, they now the, have Everything's more. kind of loosened up for a more mm-hmm. progressive future for Marvel. I mean, I mean, we went from, like, the next... I mean, the next Captain Marvel film is going to be the first female African-American director in the MCU. Yeah. With Nia DaCosta, which... Right. She's she's got Candyman coming out in August, which I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm excited for. for that too. So I think like yeah, they're going in a good direction, and I think well, Black Widow might be in a weird spot chronologically. I'm excited to see how it fills out that time, and also oh, see how it honestly is probably going to add something that'll later be brought up. Yeah. But at the yeah. same, I mean, besides that, I mean, go see Black Widow if you're a fan of the MCU. It, it seems I'm gonna probably see it whenever I can. <laughs> it's gonna be real it's busy, busy time. Yeah, it's busy time. But um, uh, I think other, I mean, the big other movie news that I could think off the top of my head is the Universal Peacock deal, where oh, yeah. Universal is basically going to take their films. Because, like, last year, due to the hit, you know, the real, like, revolutionary film, Trolls World Tour, it led to Universal making the decision to, like, <laughs> after, like, 27 days as theater only, they're going to be VOD streaming. Oh. And I think now it's now going to be... They're going to do 27 days theater only, and then after that, it's going to Peacock exclusively Yay, for peacock. three to four months. Now, does that mean they're not going to do VOD after 27 days? I have no idea. I think it's still too early, and maybe there is more kind of information that will come out later, but, like, right. Jesus, what a way to try to save <laughs> Peacock. Yeah. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah, but you got to try something, I guess. Yeah, when you you, you put out yeah. a streaming service and nobody wants it, you got to swing for the fences. I when guess. when it feels like early Hulu, yeah, in a in a in a, in, a, in like an environment, early Hulu in a world where Hulu already exists. <laughs> yeah, and in, in a world where Hulu has adapted, yeah, and now has honestly one of the best deals I think any streaming service can have, which is like FX on Hulu. Yeah, that tie is like yeah, killer great. for them. I I think Peacock has not really overstepped, but I don't. I think they really just overestimated. Like, oh well, we have The Office now. Yeah, like that should be enough. Yeah, and unfortunately, well, everybody that everybody else has got a streaming service. Yeah, and it's like that isn't enough, unfortunately. Right. But uh, you know what? Fuck Peacock. <laughs> Let's jump right into it. <laughs> Hashtag fuck Peacock. Now, on in all honesty, I think my parents have it, and they say it's pretty good, but I don't know if they use it that oh, really? often. Yeah. But that's besides the point. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. And this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. And on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, we take a trio of films, whether tied by number, thematic elements by director, whatever, and we talk about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding those three films. And today, now that last week we did the 90s TMNT films, we are now going to be talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle films in the 21st century. Yep, we did the classics. Now we're doing the the newbies. Well, yes. So Even they're not so new anymore, but still. Mm-hmm. The while new era. while those early the first trilogy is definitely aged in places, it's very clear that it is cohesive enough as a trilogy. Sure. With this trilogy, they're not all tied together. It's more of a talking about now. What are these attempts trying to do? In the modern era, when it goes yeah, to the turtles, what do you do with tur- what do you do with the turtles in this day mm-hmm. and age? Um, and actually, to that point, 
the first film we're talking about, TMNT 2007, is actually canonically a follow-up to yes. the 90s live-action trilogy. It's yes. technically speaking the fourth film in the series. Yeah. Which there's is... not a ton of crossover, but there's some nods here and there that let mm-hmm. you know that, oh, yeah, this does exist in the same universe as those live-action yeah. movies. And it also is a thing where it is... It's astounding that it does that, and also still, I feel like it still kind of fits. Yeah, it does. Well, while, while, I really while don't it think is definitely a huge tonal shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, while TMNT is definitely because the 2007 film, the first film I'm going to be talking about, is just called TMNT. Yeah, it is released 14 years after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, not Turtles in Time. <laughs> Pseudo Turtles. Pseudo Turtles in Time. It is a film that has had multiple different production cycles where. The initial ideas were they were trying to make a Ninja Turtles 4 in the 90s. Yeah. I think they did try to do, they wanted to do Krang at one point, Bebop and Rocksteady at one point, which is why we got Toka and Razor in 2. And 4 just kind of went nowhere because in Teenage Mutant Turtles 3, it made $44 million on a $22 million budget. Right. It was the weakest opening yeah. and weakest box office sales. And by that point, no one cared. Right. Um. And after that, you know, it took a couple of years. In 2000, there was a possibility of doing a CGI live-action hybrid. With John Woo. With John Woo. Yeah. Which, honestly, is not a bad choice. Sounds kind of awesome. I mean, that is the <laughs> is era he, where he does he Mission Impossible 2. I think it was, I think either they were trying to do full CGI. No, no, I mean, has he ever done a CGI film, John Woo? Uh, full CGI? I don't think so. So that would have been a cool thing to see, just as, yeah. you know, John Woo's mm-hmm. one foray into... CGI filmmaking. Yeah. But that film gets put, in, put into development hell. He he just basically goes off to do Mission Impossible 2. Hulk does other projects. And then the film just kind of putters for a while until they decide yeah. at one point, why don't we do full CGI? Yeah. So in comes writer-director Kevin Monroe, works with Imagey Studios, which I believe has a Los Angeles studio but also is based in China. And decides, I think it would be interesting to not only do a full CG Turtles film, but also harken back to the original black and white comics mm. with more of a serious, mature tone. Yeah. And so we now have 2007's TMNT, a film that is just like, just not given the love it deserves. No, it really is just a solid movie, like a it solid just... family action flick. Yeah, it's it's so weird how like and I feel like so many people don't even remember that it exists. No, because it's it's it was in that weird spot where right after this film comes out, this film does well. It has like a thirty-five million dollar mm-hmm. budget and makes ninety-five worldwide. Yeah, it was a success. However, right after this film comes out, Paramount Pictures buys basically the rights. Nickel actually Nickelodeon specifically buys the rights to all of Mirage Studios. Like IP, which includes Ninja Turtles. Right. And then so the proposed trilogy, which there was supposed to be a trilogy with this with this series. Man, I which wish it one. happened. The the trilogy was apparently supposed to be this film and then a film where Mikey feels disillusioned with the family, so he joins the Foot Clan and they go to Japan <laughs> right. to try to stop Shredder and Karai. That'd be kinda cool. And then the third film is apparently where they wanted to introduce the Triceratons, which are the Triceratop alien species oh, in the comics, yeah. and bring in Krang. Man, this trilogy could have gotten wild. And what's even wilder is their choice for the main Triceraton commander at the time was Michael Clark Duncan. Oh. Like, that's what he wanted as that character. Perfect. And it never happened, because once TMNT comes out, Paramount and Nickelodeon buy the rights, and 
this film kind of gets lost in the in in the mix because yeah. it's not tied to any sequels. It's not tied to it is tied to the live action films, but that tie doesn't show up until the very end of the film. Right. Well, and it's, so it's, it's just kind of like it feels like a a almost like a happy little accident or just an experimental idea that I think is good. Just oh, still has yeah. aged well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was really worried when we because we watched the trailer a little bit ahead of time. And, of course, the trailer yeah. was uploaded on YouTube in like 480p. And I'm yes. like, oh, man, this animation doesn't look that great is this gonna look as good as i remember it is this gonna feel as good as i remember it and then mm-hmm. uh early on in the movie there's some kind of very dated animation they kind of go for a Zack snyder's 300s yes. era, like style yeah. with that like flashback but then honestly as the movie goes on there's some really impressive like lighting and mm-hmm. you know set design choices and just some really cool I think visually it holds up really well for a 2007 relatively low-budget film that's mm. not Disney or yeah. DreamWorks. Which I also think is funny that you bring up 300 because my, my timing was off. This film actually comes out after 300. Oh, really? I thought 300 was... And it's like a month after 300. Uh-huh. And it's one of the first films to actually push 300 off a of number one. Oh, wow. And like it's like if you look at that like box office of when it gets pushed off, you're just going to see a bunch of films where you go... Oh my God, that was a film. That was a film. Wow. I feel like 2007 is really fucking weird. I feel like that is the like 2005 to 2007 era. Yeah. Just like a bunch of forgotten films for better and for worse. Like yes. some films, like, yeah, let's like not think, think about those. I think some of those films that I saw in the box office were like 300, The Last Mimsy, Shooter oh, with Mark Wahlberg. Like it's all these films where it's like, this was the time where if I remember a trailer, I either watched it on like Apple movie trailers and I <laughs> yeah. didn't like YouTube was still slowly building into what it will become now. That that whole kind of era of blockbuster movies, I just is distilled down into like Zoom, the the Tim <laughs> Allen movie for me, where he's got like a family of superheroes or oh, something. F- oh, fuck. I haven't um, thought about Zoom in years. It's just one of those that, like, yeah, it's just if you looking back at it, like looking at the poster, it's just total like crack house vibes. Like how yeah. did this get a big budget and Kay Mars in that isn't she <laughs> yeah, oh so. she, doesn't she play like an invisible woman she, type character oh yeah I think she, I think does. she does and then, of course she goes on to play yeah and in um, a film that doesn't exist yeah right, <laughs> right. a film that does unfortunately exist yeah. <laughs> a fan film yeah a, a film that really is more interesting in theory than it actually is in execution yeah and in like production than it is in yeah. but okay okay anyway we're getting yeah. sidetracked yeah as usual with TMNT, what's kind of interesting is that it definitely plays off in an idea that like it could be the '90s, could be the 2000s. You don't really see cell phones. You don't. They don't really make a lot yeah. of dated ideas. It's got that kind of timeless quality yeah. to it, sort of like the like the '90s Batman cartoons. Mm-hmm. It is weird to think that in TMNT, I guess one of the biggest issues, but also what kind of leads to one of the best parts about the film, is that the plot is kind of useless. Yeah, where, where the the antagonist is not really an antagonist, and the the actual plot is boring in comparison to the actual emotional crux of the film, which is the the turtles coming back together because they're all basically splintered and pun intended and matured and <laughs> they're are just splintered, not a team. but then they get splintered yeah. and they're back together. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. No, you're fine. I I, I made the pun yep. on accident. I might as well I just, took, I doubled down on might it. Might as well face the music with that. <laughs> but yeah, the whole the, the emotional crux of the film is like 
it's almost Watchmen-esque where it's just four disillusioned team, like late teens, early 20s yeah. turtles being like, we're not a team anymore, and then they have to become a team again. Yeah, and it, it kind and it of works. Yeah, it, that that element of it works really well. I think like the way the turtles themselves are handled and their relationships with each other are absolutely the thing that this movie is like most bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the reason to watch this movie if you're a fan of Ninja Turtles or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, we kind of it picks up. Yeah, what I guess it's supposed to be a real time gap or like ten years or several years. It's basically uh, after the events of the third live action yeah. film of the '90s. Um, and yeah, they're all in kind of different places. I mean, not necessarily literally. Leonardo is off training in South America, mm-hmm. um, trying to kind of learn how to become a leader, but like in solitude, I guess. Um, Mikey and Donnie have kind of side jobs they still live in the sewer hideout where they always did but they're working uh donnie's like a customer support support. guy on over the phone and mikey Mm -hmm. is wearing a turtle mask over his turtle head and and going to parties and acting like a like a you know a party kind of performer like a clown sort of he tapes a zipper to a shell so it looks like he's a costume (laughs) playing a character called cowabunga carl yeah and then And and then raf has probably what's the most like plot centric yeah. side gig where he's moonlighting as a uh, a vigilante in like wearing like this armor um riding around on a motorcycle tying dudes up with chains and yeah the night watcher night watcher yeah um and so he's basically like he needs to scratch the itch of crime fighting and so he goes out and does it by himself against mm-hmm. all of his brothers and his father's knowledge yeah um and then so you know leo comes home from his his training finally to reunite his brothers and finds them in kind of disarray and they sort of have to reconcile all of their differences there. And that's like the that's like the most interesting part of the film because yeah. the, the the actual plot is is while the turtles are trying to become a family again, there is a Jeff Bezos esque millionaire who has lived for three thousand years thousands yeah. of years and he wants to well, get rid of his immortality. A, a, yeah, he's an immortal warlord or conqueror yeah. who is now mm-hmm. kind of adapted to being a, a corporate tech billionaire type yeah. to kind of fit in with the modern era. And the only way he can destroy his immortality and like bring the world back is to capture 13 monsters that were released when he decided to open up a portal to another world. Yeah. Which kind of feels very like collectathon like Buy yeah. all these toys kind of thing. Well, it's even funnier, too, is, like, what happens, basically, is you get intro- introduced to this idea of 13 monsters being loose in New York. <laughs> and, of course, you're thinking, oh, we get to see him fight 13 different monsters. Yeah, the Ninja Turtles are might gonna, probably going to fight or at least follow... A bunch of them. Yeah, a bunch of them. No, the, the Foot Clan, who are now just basically mercenaries at this point, yeah. just capture practically all of them. Yeah, and it's almost all of them are done in a single like sequence, a single yeah, like, like a forty-five montage. second montage. I think because I think the only ones that don't get caught, uh, there's like four out of the thirteen that I think you actually see roam around and cause some havoc. In yeah, New they York. get their own scenes. Sort of. And but like the turtles, literally no jack shit about this yeah the turtles don't know what's going on they're not connected to what's happening you we have as viewers kind of an omniscient perspective where we're seeing the turtles do their thing we're seeing jeff bezos do his thing and we're seeing the foot clan kind of 
do their thing. I think is because is the, the tech giant's name is Winters. Yeah, his last name Played is Winters. By Patrick I'm probably just gonna keep calling him Jeff Bezos <laughs> or Patrick Stewart. Uh, but no, I mean it's just like it's it's so funny to think that like this is a plot, uh, but this is a film about the Ninja Turtles, which I can see why critics will give this film shit for it. This is a film about the Ninja Turtles where the main plot has very little to do with the actual emotional elements yeah. to it. So, like, it's funny when it's like, oh, they only found out about the whole stars of Keegan when they align the monsters go into a portal. <laughs> yeah. They only found out about that because Raph and Casey were curious right. and accidentally, like, run into them. Yeah. And then they just don't do anything for yeah. a little bit. They just It kind of feels like the writers came up with a great idea, or maybe the director came up with this great idea for what to do, like where to take the characters, the turtles next in their lives. Oh, yeah. What happens 10 years down the line when they're not really teenagers anymore? What do the mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles look like? Um, okay, let's explore that. And that's an awesome idea, and they do phenomenally with it. Yeah. But then they're like, oh, wait, we this is like an action movie, and we have to come up with a plot to drive action and to make yeah. them accomplish something. Uh, yeah, let's throw on this weird, like, immortal warriors thing catch the monsters beat the bad guys beam in the sky type thing like i don't think anything captures that better than the fact that the best fight scene in the film has nothing to do with the monsters it has everything to do with the leo versus raf rivalry oh uh, yeah the leo raf fight is so good and again the fighting across the film oh, like yeah. they do fight the monsters it's great yeah the it action just... is really well framed it's well designed it's super creative choreography and it's also fun knowing that these are like the classic 90s turtles actually getting to do kind of badass action because the 90s you know the budget the technology of the time and the kid friendliness kind of prevented them from doing much other than have fun Mm -hmm. with the fight scenes and be goofy and this kind of lets them cut loose it's not violent but like no they get to beat people up and do flips and use their weapons and they're not the teenage mutant hero turtles anymore they're the ninja turtles they're they're ninjas all right and there's even great stuff with they it's one of the earlier iterations of like using cg to kind of capture moments that you can only capture in that kind of mindset where it's like where i one of my favorite things about the original comics that doesn't really get like introduced in the live action films because they couldn't probably do this without looking silly but it's the the white slits for eyes when they're in uh, silhouette. Yeah, like that's such a so cool good. look, and yeah, you and can't really good, do that. It's such a good way to use it too. Yeah. When you're like clearly like, okay, we're making a family movie. We want to give these guys, you know, humanity. So we're not gonna have them just be blank no. white eyes all the time. But we can still fit that in there in certain lighting scenarios yeah. and that sort of thing. It's kind of it's it's just a really cool way to use kind of a classic nod. And it wasn't even until, like, 2014 with Deadpool where you were like, oh, no, we could probably, like, with yeah, we the could right motion eyes. capture, we could do that. <laughs> but even then, I don't know if you could really do the almost anime-esque, like, just full white eye kind of, like, slits right. that just look, like, very action-y and very intense yeah. without looking kind of silly in live action. Yeah. And I think it's just astounding to me to think about at the time this film comes out, you know, while this film is in production, Disney's releasing... Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, DreamWorks is releasing Shrek, Shrek 2. Like, they have these huge films that are coming out. And with probably twice as much of a budget this film has, then this film comes out swinging at $35 million. 
and 14 years later it still looks good design wise the action's really well done it's obvious that they actually choreographed this stuff even if they actually used actual fight like actors to mocap like they at least did detailed storyboards what's also crazy too is like they commit to like having similar to the 90s turtles they have a cast for the turtles that aren't really huge names. Right. Even though Feldman is Donatello in the first and third film in the 90s yeah. film, like no one really thinks about that in comparison to the fact that like it's coming out of a green turtle with a purple bandana. <laughs> yeah. So when you come into like TMNT, the voices are basically uh, James Arnold Taylor as Leonardo, Nolan North as Raphael, Mikey Kelly as Michelangelo, I think Mitchell Waddell as Donatello. Uh, Whitfield, Mitchell Whitfield. Yeah. Mitchell Whitfield, thank you. I don't know where I yeah. got Waddell from, but like all <laughs> three of those, all four of those actors are like, like Nolan North is a prolific voice actor. James yeah. Arnold Taylor is Obi-Wan Kenobi in Clone Wars. Right. Of course, he, at that time, he was just getting ready to start Clone I mean, Wars. At, he was Ratchet, too. He was well, Ratchet yeah, he was Ratchet, Ratchet and so was Mikey games. Kelly. Yes, you have both actors who played Ratchet in the Ratchet <laughs> Two and Clank of the Turtles are Ratchet. You also have... Kevin Michael Richardson, who plays Commander Dreg from the uh, first Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, right. He's Aguila. He's one of the main yeah, antagonists. Right. Like, the actual antagonist. Well, yeah, he's Winners. The... Winners is, like, a passive Yeah, Winners like, is, like, character. Up, it's kind of a bait-and-switch, because Winners yeah. is sort of set up as the bad guy, but then it kind of mm-hmm. turns out he's just trying to end his immortality curse. Yeah, he's just um, a dude who's sick of living, because he's once lived he... for 3,000 years. Yeah. But then once he brings back uh, his, his comrades from yeah. thousands of years ago, they decide... Nah, we're going to take over the world. That yeah. was our mission. It's still our mission. We're going to do it. And Kevin Michael Richardson is the leader of those guys who get brought back to life. And it's very clear what they're trying to do where it's like as Winters is realizing that his family has now become broken because they don't consider themselves a family anymore. In comes the Ninja Turtles who are now in reformed yeah. family ready to fight. And, yeah. fight and that's the, a, good, it's it's a good parallel. Yeah, of course. And again, this movie doesn't do anything wrong i don't think i don't think anything in this film is awful i don't oh, no. think i think there's a lot of great elements the, to I it would really say the worst thing about this movie is the like a plot of the yeah. the antagonist I would, yeah. conflict i would say that which like, i would almost not even call the a plot i would call the mm-hmm. the turtles kind of family dynamic the mm-hmm. a plot but it makes but. sense now too that like monroe had a plan for sequels it was very clear that in his mind he was like I want to do a film that just like deep dives into the turtles and whatever the A yeah. plot is, it'll be done in a film and we don't ever have to touch it again. Right. And then because cause just... at the end of this film, they basically hint at Shredder coming back. Yeah. They and... kind of, it's kind of an implication of like, not necessarily resetting to square one, but kind of, no. you know, bringing back the status quo after this, yeah. this fourth movie is kind of a, everything's mm-hmm. in disarray. Nothing is as it should be. Okay. Now we're going to kind of go back to what, you expect from the yeah, turtle like, world especially and if because like it, if monroe really wanted this to feel chronologically the fourth film in the you know compared to the 90s trilogy it's very clear that like they could have done something where it's like shredder is still kind of like super shredderine is almost like a raza ghoul situation where yeah. he's like slowly regenerating maybe by ooze or some shit right. and, and it, it, it's really clear in this film that like they have ideas that they want to do yeah and like People liked this movie. This movie was like made ninety five million dollars. Yeah, like of course, it didn't but do like, poorly. But you know what's crazy though, Andy? 
I don't know if you looked at this when you did some of your research. Huh. What do you think the critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes is for this film? Oh, on Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. I'm way better at gauging Metacritic, but I'm going to say for Rotten Tomatoes, like, uh, 70? 34%. 30, what? 34% of critics liked the film. Like, yeah, or at least gave it, it like, more than a 6 Like, out gave of it, 10. like, a 6 out of 10. That's so higher. shitty. Critics hated the fact that this film wasn't silly. That it wasn't like the other three. Oh, they were like, on, it this, is silly. They're like, they're like, they do have like legitimately like where it's like the A plot is like fucking nothing, and it's like yes, that's true. The oh, A right, plot is like paper thin, criticism. and no one cares. But people are like, man, it's not as fun or as silly as the other ones. It's not as colorful or as bright or as goofy. Oh, it's, it's way too serious. Kids couldn't like this, <laughs> and it's like. What? Apparently critics like, in 2007 were missing the 90s a bit too much. Not only were they missing the 90s, they were missing the fact that at the time that movie came out, there was a cartoon series that took it more seriously, oh, yeah. that was more intense. And, and arguably more successful. Yes. <laughs> like, oh my god. Like Not I, arguably, definitely more successful. I think about how scary Shredder is in that version. Oh, yeah. The fact that like the turtles technically kill shredder to a degree yeah. when they find out he's an alien right, right, he doesn't right. really kill him but or like isn't he a robot he's he's a he's a neutron oh Utram uh, or the, whatever. The, the, the kind of thing that he's like, an ultron kind of, yeah he's kind of like krang is right, yeah. to a degree and like that series is serious and is really well done yeah there's even an episode that's like iron giant-esque where like this robot comes to life oh, and starts yeah. taking over junk and yeah, sees himself as a monster and it's kind of sad and it's pretty heavy and dark that yeah. series does and I yeah just, this yeah. this movie does not it i mean in terms of being dark it pales in comparison i think it's very clear what the critical reception is that people just probably people didn't know that this came from a daredevil knockoff that took itself super seriously yeah. i mean i feel like the like or at least the 2000s is like the peak era of pop culture like not really understanding context or you know appreciating yeah. the roots of things so and <laughs> yeah that's team and t like team and t is really fucking good i yeah i like, really enjoyed I am, this movie i i might go so far as to say of the six turtles movies we watched it's my favorite oh wow um, wow okay i do have I'm a curious. soft spot for the first yeah. the ni- first 90s film just that's, because i watched the yeah. crap out of it as oh. a kid no, and but it does have a special place in my heart. But man, this was just—I was just really impressed with. Yeah, this movie. I gotta—I gotta say, this is just like going into this one. We watched it with one of our close friends, Adam, and you and Adam had only seen this film like once or twice, maybe. Yeah, three I times. think I saw it once somewhere around release. I had this was definitely the film that I would watch when I was sick of one and or two. <laughs> yeah. So while I've seen one, like the original one and secret of the use like 20 plus times Same. i have seen this one like 10 plus times yeah so like going into it it's like i remembered lines i remember things it's like but like watching it i was like i'm expecting to like kind of cringe at the art design yeah or feel like it's not working in places yeah, where's in the part honesty, that's cheap or bad yeah. or <laughs> and it isn't like no. even the fact it's that like this film solid movie this film has both sarah michelle keller and chris evans Right before, like three years, yeah. no, four years before Captain America. Yeah, like he would, it's he, like, was, he would have been just this is Johnny Storm the era, Fantastic Chris Four. Evans. Yeah. yeah, like they they do a thing with April and Casey where it's like it's it's very barren, but like they do a thing of like them becoming adults. Yeah, and trying to like actually put kind of a label on themselves and yeah, like yeah, yeah. And while it's like it's about as weak as the '90s film, it like the 1990 film is with doing their relationship. 
I still like that introduction and yeah. I still like that addition and it's probably a little stronger, at least a little more like convincing just by nature of the fact that they're portraying like more mature characters who yeah. are trying to figure something out. Whereas mm-hmm. in the nineties it's just like eh, cute yeah. romance, sexual tension. But what's also funny too is like even though that part's weak, I love the fact that April is the one that kind of puts the idea in Leo's head that like you're not a failure. Your family needs you in New yeah. York. You need to come back. And then Casey is the one to be there for Raph to be like, you got to yeah. talk to Leo it's, and realize that like he's going through something and you're kind of being hard on the guy. It's a really fun use of yeah. this kind of side characters to move the main characters along. Like, I feel like a lot of times these movies, the Ninja Turtles movies, have a tendency to like, okay, well, we got to give Casey a B or C plot and we got to give April a B or C mm-hmm. plot while the turtles are doing their thing. And it's like, this movie doesn't really do that. It's more just, it no. uses them to further the main characters yeah. journeys. And yeah, it's just kind of shocking just to see, like rewatch this film and we watched this film. I don't think we watched this in 4k. We watched this on a big TV yeah. and it still looks really good. Yeah. It's, it was on HBO max. So whatever yeah, HBO whatever max has doing. it at, but yeah, if you if you've ever been a fan of Ninja Turtles and always been wary to even give this a rewatch or even a watch, definitely. I mean, Holds especially up. with kids, kids would love this. Oh yeah, this is kind a good of the one. perfect mix of like action and drama, but also kid friendly and family yeah. friendly. It's, yeah, it's like it's like it's it takes itself as seriously as a kid who loves Ninja Turtles would want that be taken seriously. Yeah. especially if you were a kid at the time like us. And watch the O three version. Yeah, and I just and, I just love it's a small thing that most people don't even know. It's more of an Easter egg than anything. But I just love that the the kind of more serious tone vibes perfectly with the fact that this is the fourth movie in the series oh, and yeah. follows the characters you know ten years or whatever later. It's just a perfect yeah. kind of the tone of the movie growing with the characters. But you know what? Now we've we've talked about the best one of the three. Yeah. Now it's now just, it's time to get into. <laughs> The two films that uh, is hilariously, the next film we're going to talk about is one that is filled with so much controversy from top to fucking bottom. (laughs) It is astounding to think that this film is just this controversial all the way through. Yeah. We are talking about, so like we said prior, the 2007 Ninja Turtles comes out, it does well, but Paramount and Nickelodeon, they get the rights. Yeah. They're not doing the TMNT universe anymore. They want to do a reboot that is a live-action CGI mix. So yeah. they decide in about 2011. Actually, I think it was like it was probably 2009, 2010. Yeah. They're like, we're gonna do, we're gonna do a hybrid CGI live-action film, and it'll be out in 2012. Then nothing gets heard about for several years, and then it is announced that. Platinum Dunes, Michael Bay's production company, <laughs> is going to be attached to the film. And of course, yeah. as soon as that happens, people, mainly Ninja Turtles fans, freak the fuck out, start to get worried, because yeah. at that point with the Transformers universe, the Transformers films were getting to a weird spot where it's like even fans were like, I don't I don't know what the fuck this is gonna turn into <laughs> or where this yeah. is going, and I don't know if I necessarily like it all that much but you know i guess i'm yeah. watching and at that point when they're announced it is announced it was rumored that the idea initially for this version of ninja turtles was that it was only going to be called ninja turtles because simplify the title and it was <laughs> going to be about the ninja turtles coming from an alternate reality or an alternate dimension where there are turtle people 
and yeah. rat people, and that's what they were going to be. They were going to be aliens, <laughs> and Shredder was going to be a a army general named Colonel Schrader who had the ability, who is also an alien who had the ability to grow blades out of his arms. Like he's right. fucking... This, this movie, like, or this idea for the movie pre-production kind of screams like, I don't know, like X-Men Origins, mm-hmm. Wolverine, and like that yes. era of just like studios being absolutely terrified of the source material so they mm-hmm. just have to change everything about it and call it the same thing so it's like once they get the rights like, to ninja turtles they basically go we're so happy to have these writers on to write a script for us three years past we're so excited to announce that we have new writers <laughs> and that michael bay is attached as a producer yeah and then people are like well what the f- okay so is this alien thing even real cut to near fall of 2012 right and there is a script that is, released, that is leaked that is the the first, very first, and very rough draft of what this Alien Turtles was apparently supposed to look like. And we know <laughs> it's a rough draft because Paramount pushed a cease and desist on the website yeah. that was homing this leaked script. Seriously, the, look up the images, though. <laughs> oh, yes. Please do if you're sitting at home. The one thing that has always stuck in my head is that on the script... In the action, like in the action paragraphs, there's one point where it says, and I quote, like Casey I fucks April from afar. <laughs> like it, because in that film, in the in the original idea, in terms of like the very very rough draft, very very rough idea, Casey was going to be the main character, and like the 2007 Transformers film, they were basically going to do like a human avatar that was going to follow around the Ninja Turtles as they do wacky and alien things. Yeah. And you're like, that's stupid. Why exactly would they do that? That's dumb. Don't do that. I agree. <laughs> we get to two, we get to 2014. We get to 2014, and the Michael Bay produced Ninja Turtles finally comes out, called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it is, I would say, and this is again coming from somebody, and I think Andy will agree with me, <laughs> it's coming from somebody who has recently seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. I can honestly say that the first Michael Bay produced Ninja Turtles is the worst Ninja Turtles film. Yeah. Out of all of them. Yeah. Like, it is astounding just, even though they knew, like, the thing too is like, in the 2014 film, they constantly make fun of the leaked script. They, they like, they're like, aliens, what a stupid idea. <laughs> right. And then you watch the film, and some of the ideas they decided to go with are just as stupid to a degree, if not even dumber yeah. in regards. Because in the film, they do things where it's like, oh, we're going to have a white shredder. <laughs> and initially, that was going to be the plan. But right before, But right before the film got released, they pushed it back several months, and they did reshoots. And they added a Japanese actor to just portray Shredder yeah. in the most basic barren way. Yeah, he's barely he a character. Barely looks like anything, and it's very. It's I cannot stress how very clear it is in the film that this was not supposed to be the intention. <laughs> Where they have an actual, they have William Fickner, who is from you know Dark Knight, Armageddon, yeah. like a great actor. And it's very clear that he's in the film. Even in the first trailer, it's very clear in the film that he's supposed to be the main antagonist yeah. who wears the Shredder outfit. <laughs> I mean, fuck, they don't even cut out or even try to redo 
his whole backstory about how he was technically born in Japan. <laughs> and it's like this right. whole thing of like, this was supposed to be Shredder. You're not even trying to hide this. Oh, yeah. This is so bad. Well, and, and they even, I mean, late in the movie, they even put him in this like black kind of skin tight jumpsuit oh that my like God. would make total sense as like an under armor, you know, suit, kind of like what Iron Man wears when he gets in his armor. It's like, yeah, he was supposed to be in that, wasn't he? <laughs> and that's not even, that's scratching the fucking surface. Oh yeah, this Word. movie is a wild train wreck of just, I feel like mostly corporate attempts at kind of... It Yeah, it just feels like no one involved really cares, cares too about much the turtles, about the yeah. turtles. Leading to a film that feels like, yeah, why don't we just change their backstory where they're like, they're not like turtle, like just random turtles that get touched by you. They're like, they're April's pet turtles that she names after the Renaissance artist <laughs> because a 12-year-old teenage girl would love to call her turtles after yeah, the Renaissance it, it, masters. It feels very much like the kind of Amazing Spider-Man 2 retcon of <laughs> Peter's origin where his parents worked for Oscorp and yeah. they're scientists and they're the reason that he has spider powers Let's and just stuff. fucking call a spade a spade. This film comes out the same year as Amazing Spider-Man 2 yep. and it just feels like the first Amazing Spider-Man in the worst, worst in the yeah, worst way. Yeah. yeah, like it's and as someone but who doesn't really But it's the same kind of approach where it's just like, "Oh, well, we have to we have the rights to this. Uh, let's crap out something and call it what it is." Yeah. And and it yeah, it just has the vibe of like as someone who doesn't really like the first Amazing Spider-Man film, this it may, it does things a lot better than this fucking film tries well, to do in terms of making least, a dark and brooding yeah, Ninja Turtles. It's certainly at least Amazing Spider-Man has a heart and was made by at least a few people who care about yeah. the character. At least it had Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is in this, because again, like the casting decisions are wild, where it's like, yeah, they have, Megan Fox is April O'Neil. Yeah, that's clearly just a, yeah, we're we're kind of pulling together the, the Michael Bay team for this. Which is bizarre. Yeah. It's like you, you thought after her whole controversy post-Transformers 2. Or Hitler. Yeah, right, calling him or Spielberg Hitler, and it's oh, like yeah. it's it's like well. No, I think she called my uh, Megan Fox called Michael Bay Hitler. Uh, it's it's yeah. one of those things where it's like you you don't think they're gonna work again, and then it's like yeah. oh, I guess they do. To be honest though, I don't really know how involved Michael Bay was with the film once it was he, in production. Yeah, I think he's just straight up just kind of, a producer. Yeah, put his I, money I, on it, and I, maybe I sent some of his people mm-hmm. onto it. It's because it very the, much looks and feels like a Michael Bay movie, yeah. but without the actual talent that michael bay has well it's the it's the thing too where it's like this film is directed by jonathan liebsman who is mainly known for he did like the the prequel to the takes texas chainsaw massacre yep. remake which was also made by platinum dunes he did battle of la or battle, los, battle angeles, los angeles and also did the 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 quote-unquote better of the clash of the titans remake films with the oh, wrath yeah. of the titans yeah 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 like and he doesn't and apparently the most recent thing he did is I think he did reshoots. Oh, God. I just saw this. He did like. Oh, for um, Doolittle? Yeah. He did uncredited reshoots <laughs> yeah. for the Robert Downey Jr. Doolittle. Yeah. And which is also a mess. That is that is a clusterfuck. Yeah. Uh, a flaming dumpster fire. And it's watching Liebsman as a director. It just feels like he was told by whether the producers or just felt like he knew like they just want. This whole film just feels like a faux Bay Transformers film. Yeah, very much. And it's it's very much just that like, it's aping his visual style. It's aping his kind of 
crass, already at that point out of date sense of humor. Oh my gosh! Um, Everyone's horny on Maine for April. Yeah, and it's kind of gross. Horny, super horny. Super is kind of is super. Uh, uh, I mean, the camera sexualizes April to an immense degree, oh just like she's just like Megan Fox is sexualized in the Transformers movies. The it's like just the color grading. It's this grimy, you know, two thousands heavy saturation green and blue and orange. Just very, yeah. It, it's weird how much this looks like a Michael Bay movie at, or and, uh, a Transformers movie at times, yeah, and just how it fails on like trying to capture because like. It, it just doesn't it's i will say that i think that there are much worse transformers films than this oh yeah this I is was like, definitely not like i wouldn't go so far as to call this like an abysmal movie no i think it's it bad is, but it not, is watchable yeah. i feel like to a degree i did not hate it but i did not like it i feel like to a degree and this is going to be controversial especially with people who listen who are our age I could see a child watching this and liking this similarly to us as children watching like Space Jam. Oh yeah, and loving it. Yeah, well, as and not really with no understanding personal attachment to Space Jam. I will agree to that. One. As someone who has a huge personal attachment <laughs> yeah. to Space Jam, I could attest that this film has the vibe of like if you're young enough and you watch this, you'll probably go, "Oh, that was fine." It's got recognizable characters. It's got yeah. fun high flying action. Oh, it's got turtles and they're ninjas. Yep. What more could I ask? Yep. And it's got a, and, a splinter that spits on the camera. Yeah, yeah. It has it has like almost a physically like he is a little too verbally abusive at times. He's like a, not splinter? a great dad. Yeah. Yeah, he's not, great not a great dad. dad in this. He's better in the second one. Yes. Well, he's uh, barely in the second yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, almost everything is better in the second one. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, this. That, that was one of the grossest things that I forgot about was Splinter's design, especially in the first yeah, film. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a he's, he's a, a big a nasty rat. Rat. He's not right. like a, you know, a humanized big. rat. He looks like a rat that stands on his hind legs. Yeah. And you know and what? He's disgusting. You know what? Pro, I bet the design, two D wise, the concept art, he looks badass in terms of like. Yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're looking like make a quote unquote realistic giant rat in a sensei uniform, yeah, sure, I guess that's correct. Well, but then you, he's dirty and sweaty yeah. all the time, and he's got this yeah. Fu Manchu uh, coming Fu off. Fu Manchu of his just nose. feels gross. It's gross. He's got this nasty. I mean, rats obviously have like a you know a, a worm like tail, but his is like big and muscular and prehensile, and he whips people yeah, with it. That's a cool idea. It's a cool idea, I but it looks gross. Yes, it does. With his design, it, yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a, it looks like a worm grabbing. Yeah, like a giant when our, worm. When his introductory scene yes. is him attacking the turtles, yeah, like, in like the a dark. silhouette. Yeah. yeah, it's like a horror scene with these tentacles coming out and grabbing the turtles, and it's their dad. Yeah, it's just like, it's why? like okay, cool. Why is he so gross? It's let's let's. I mean, the biggest elephant in the room when it comes about this film is that it's the design of the Ninja Turtles themselves. Yeah, this is going to be a controversial opinion. I know it's going to be, but I feel like. Even though they are ugly as sin, <laughs> and I feel like adding lips to them was a terrible decision. Yeah, I don't hate what they tried to do. I got yeah. used to it, but at the same time, that doesn't make it good. I think is where I'm at. Yeah, I, I think honestly, what really did these this design a disservice was the like gritty detail of it yeah similarly with splinter where he's super dirty and wet and grimy yeah. these guys look slimy they look knobby they've got these hideous kind of realistic shrek faces 
Mikey looks the worst Mikey, in both yeah, in both of these films. The he also looks the most human, and that's probably part of it. It's like an uncanny yeah. valley thing. When when he like there's a there's there is a scene in the out of the shadows, the next one, and in the scene, and there's definitely a scene in this one where there's just a moment where the camera just holds on Mikey's face and he's not <laughs> talking, and it is really the weirdest like. It's. I don't know if the uncanny valley is trying to make me scream internally, or like if I'm just like accepting the fact that that is a thing that exists. Yeah. Like that. That like that was the decision to make was like yeah. this weird look. Because honestly, of, for, honestly, for, to go back to your point, I don't hate the designs. No. Like at least I, I love the silhouettes. I think big, tall, hulking, massive Ninja Turtles is a cool idea I that think are hilariously that, like what six foot six foot one because yeah, they look giant towards megan fox but megan, but fox, megan fox is like five, five four. foot three yeah <laughs> so it's like, like when you think about it it's like how uh it's the opposite of how peppa pig is like seven feet tall <laughs> <Yeah>. canonically <laughs> i forgot about um, that. it's like they're supposed to look big but then you realize that they're scaled against megan fox and megan fox is small so but um, but yeah, but this but yeah, they're they're super ripped and like just these big hulking yeah. kind of monstrous guys, and I kind of like that. And I honestly even like, you know, the way their their clothing has kind of changed. They each have kind of a unique. Mm-hmm. They're adorned with different things. Like Leo's got this like bamboo chest armor. Yeah, uh, Mikey's Rasp, got puka shells. Rasp's got like a do rag. Yeah, with um, like with like I think the kanji or at least the hiragana for like family. Yes, like yeah. on top of he, it. They do the a scene early in the movie where he like yes. graffiti's it on a wall, and they're like, yes. "Who did this?" Oh, they left uh, the symbol for family. This is also I think the first time just in mainstream like turtles interpretations to actually have each turtle have different physicalities. Because Donatello is skinny like a basketball player, Mikey is short. Yeah. And but like the way that I think they described it, because I th- I believe ILM did this film, they did the designs, they did the uh, animation, and yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think right. so. And what happened was they describe it in a way where it's like we tried to make each turtle look like they're from a different sport, where they're like Donatello yeah. looks like he's from a basketball team. Michelangelo looks like he's a soccer player. Yeah. Raphael looks like a football player, and Leonardo is just Leonardo. Like, Leonardo really kind of looks like an average of all of them. Yeah, he like, looks just he, a dude he's, who stays he's the leader. In shape. He's yeah, he got he's got to look like the the most he's, average of yeah, them all. He's like slightly smaller and slimmer than Raph, but kind of yeah. built that way. Yes, because like because at the same time, it's like Donatello just has this like he looks meekish, compl- like meek compared to the other three, yeah, but he's, he's still of, big. Oh, he's definitely like compared to it for yeah. a human. He's like a he lean. Would, he's like lean. Yeah, he's like a lean build, like a yeah. lean muscular build. And like, yeah, I mean, he's like he's kind of built like mm-hmm. Shaq. Like yeah. he would be huge for a yes. human being, but among the turtles, he's kind yeah. of slim. <laughs> and with Raph, they do a design with him, which is kind of I I think it's extremely intentional where his shell is the highest on his body because he's the buffest and it's like tight on his yeah. body. So like his shell comes up to like almost like I think half his head. Raph. Like yeah. he's got a huge yeah. he's like he's got oh, a he's huge got the, like traps and yeah, yeah, he's got like he's like a shit brick house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, honestly, I and really And Mikey's like a short king to them, but he's like 5 foot 9, 5 <laughs> yeah, foot <yeah>. 10. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's really just when you get kind of up close with the designs that they look sort of gross and not sort of very gross um yeah they look gross like because they're always wet the problem is the the movie uses a lot of because it's imitating michael bay's visual style it's got a lot of like close-up kind of fisheye lens a lot of camera movement where the camera's like flying into a character's face and you see sweat fly off their face or spit Mm -hmm. fly out of their mouth and And it hits the camera yeah it's like why is there so much detail this is disgusting 
I don't want to be here. It yeah. smells. I can smell the movie. I can smell Mikey looking at me. It's awful. Oh, uh, man. But I, but I just I mean, at a certain yeah. point, it was like, I just, it didn't, it, like, the initial shock, it was like, ah, uh, yeah, it just, it's just so hard. And this should not be the type of series where it's like, we want to make these guys look super realistic. Yeah. <laughs> Like no, thank you. I don't care. Right. Yeah. And and then thankfully in the second one, while they still have basically the same designs, they do soften they and soften make them, them look up. a bit better. Yeah, they're they're kind of a brighter green. Yes, they, they all have different softer, shades of green. I think they're all different degree. shades, and they all they have like actually multi tones within each individual. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they just kind of soften them up and make them a little bit more friendly looking. I mean, yeah, the the faces are pretty much the same. But yeah. they just look a little bit more kind of appealing as like mm-hmm. hero, like kids hero characters. But this, that's, I mean, because to me, in my opinion, their designs are ugly, yes. And it's a very bold choice to kind of go that route. But I personally think that that, that comes where, no, it's not even as bad as the fact that like they decide to make April the main character when they yeah, give her very little yeah. to do april like taking up just, most of the screen time is the biggest like, which sucks because april's a killer character yeah like in the comics and in the tv shows she is like basically to a degree like an unofficial fifth turtle where it's like she's just right. as important yeah, as the other guys yeah she's like, their sis basically yeah. but in this film when you have such a limited actress as megan fox yeah. where i think she works in certain occasions and right. those occasions yeah. are very are varied. Yeah, and I don't like, yeah, I don't want to rag Megan Fox no. too much cuz she's kind of been on the receiving end of Hollywood's yeah. worst and habits. she doesn't deserve yeah, And like, this movie is kind of a peak example yeah. of Hollywood's worst Cause habits. Cuz like, like it was funny too is like she is like a prominent and she's ex- oh, sexualized is an understatement. Yeah. She's extremely sexualized in the first two Transformers right, right, films. Right. But I genuinely liked her character to a degree in terms of like in Transformers, like the rapport with Sam and yeah, like, yeah, she's and, a solid yeah. romantic interest. And, and like people love people, it's like a cult classic now. People are starting to love Jennifer's body in retrospect, yeah, which she's yeah. really she's good in. Uh, this is forty. She has a small role, but I think she's there's like a there's a bit with her that I think she has like a straight face kind of really good approach mm-hmm. that's very funny and also she's pretty good in uh, New Girl. Yeah, apparently people really loved her in New Girl. Yeah, like at a certain point, and it's like you see her in this film and she's like genuinely trying and it's yeah. just not the right fit just, for her. Yeah, it's just wrong. It just and doesn't it, work. Not only is it not the right fit i don't know who mm-hmm. this would be the right fit for because it's a badly written character yeah she's just she's, she's just awful mm-hmm. she they kind of try and do a nah, it's it's giving it too much credit to say they're doing like a lois lane thing with her um tmnt no. 2007 does more of a lois lane thing yes with, yes uh, april but in this yeah she's just kind of a she's like really snarky which is fine but like she doesn't really back it up all that much and she takes up way too much screen time and is just kind of like guffawing at things. And there's way too many shots of just the camera zooming in on her, looking in awe yeah. at what's happening around she's, her. She's she's like, horrible at hiding a camera. Like she's <laughs> she's, she's caught so yeah. many times. There's one point where she finds the turtles, and it's very clear if you shoot with flash, they're gonna know you're there. Yeah. And she just does it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like okay, cool. Or, like, the part in the subway where we first get introduced to, like, the turtles fighting in, like, silhouettes and whatnot. Which, I'm going to say now, I think the action's fine in this one. Yeah, I like actually, the attempt in yeah, this. At least the further you get into the movie, 
at first it's a little kind of that like choppy shaky not going to show you anything because what's yeah. the fun in that and then as you, we get to see more of the turtles and they get into their little adventure and they go kind of globe trotting a little bit um yeah. to supposedly upstate new york but i've never seen mountains like that in upstate new york <laughs> I, I don't i definitely don't know what the fuck that's supposed to be um, i assume that's supposed to be upstate new york but kind of but... as they get going and they go into like broad daylight for some of the fight scenes it, mm-hmm. i think a lot of the action is pretty cool yeah, uh, it does kind of scream it's... of the era, but not really in a terrible way. Which they fix extremely well in Out of the Shadows, where practically all the fight scenes are in light. Yeah, they're like they're like people seem to like the daytime fights better than the nighttime fights. Yeah. We got to do that. Probably the worst action scene in the first film is in the their sewer hideout when, yeah. when oh, Shredder comes to. Well, that's what happens when you put six-foot-tall turtles in a fight where they're going to do jumps and kicks. Yeah, but if they have, do jumps and kicks, they're just going to hit the scene. Yeah, you have six huge characters duking it out with a bunch of goons. And just, I... And Shredder's design is awful and way over... He's just over-designed. I fucking hate Shredder's design. He's just over-designed. He, they, he looks like a shittier version of Megatron. Yeah. And Megatron's design in the Bay Transformers films is pretty rough <laughs> to begin with because there's no real personality like he looks spooky yeah he's scary in the bayformers like films but like in this he looks like the there's a moment in avatar the last airbender where ang gets like this demon armor and he looks really silly and small in it and they all make fun of him for wanting to wear that armor (laughs) it looks like the serious version of that yeah and he also has like eight blades on each arm that like he can he shoot. can shoot him out and then magnetize him back into his arm. So he's which got, like, sounds like a transformer sound where yeah. he does like boom. Uh, well, and like and just, just all the metal plates moving all the time. He looks yeah. like a transformer. He's, it's it's like it's uh, it just it's very clear that they want transformers from this. Yeah, I mean, like, like when you think about what Shredder is in most other iterations, he's like the most you know fearsome martial artist any of the turtles have ever faced he can take them all yeah. on at once and it's like they're equivalent to that and this is let's not make him a super great fighter let's just mm-hmm. give him tons of ammo and just have him shoot yeah. knives at the turtles and the whole time and it's also like the the rivalry between splinter and shredder is non-existent because in this version of the film <laughs> splinter is not like he doesn't have a Japanese sensei or is a Japanese sensei turned into a rat. Megan's rat. He's making foxes. April's he, rat. Yeah, he's April O'Neil's rat. Gets turned into a giant rat the same way that the turtles could turn into giant turtles, and wants to become a better dad. So he decides to learn ninjutsu well, from he, a book. Yeah, he finds a book in the sewer and reads it, and I guess that makes him a master, a master martial I artist. Guess. Yeah, and it's like that is the dumbest and weakest version of that. And that's coming from a show that's coming from the 1990 film where it's trying to make you believe that a rat learned that pre ooze. And that's more believable than this shit. Yeah. But it's even funnier in that sewer fight when shredder shows up at that point in the film, shredder has like talked twice in Japanese and he's like been in the shadows because he's scary and he's Shredder. Yeah. And then he shows up in the sewer and he's just like, ha ha ha, Splinter, <laughs> we meet again. And it's like, where is this goofy right. voice coming from? You've never met Splinter. What the fuck is going on? There's and- one one single cool moment in that fight, and it's when uh, Shredder first attacks Splinter, and Splinter is just like looking off to the side while like 
blocking all of Shredder's attacks oh, from one side. And that's yes. a pretty cool shot because they go wide and they just show you the whole thing. And it's like, that's fun, even though Shredder and Splinter both look really gross. Yeah, and they're just like, they're just not really that great of characters either. No. Because at that point, since William Fickner is not Shredder anymore, what we now have is a barren silhouette, like a poor Japanese actor who just is nothing. He's a nothing character in this. <laughs> and they just... And Splinter is an asshole for a good chunk of it until he nearly dies, and you just kind of go, "Well, what if what if he died? Is that really an issue?" Yeah. And the film's like, "No, that would be bad." It's like, "Well, he's not a great dad." Yeah. And it's like, "No, no, no, he's bad." And then from the sewer fight onward, the film does get better. It stops like really following April specifically, and then just starts to do more action, yeah, more turtle stuff, which. I, you're always down for. It's welcome. I mean, we got to talk about two in terms of the turtles. The turtles are played by uh, Peter Plozik, Alan Richson, Jeremy Howard, and Noel Fisher as Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello, and Michelangelo. All four of those actors, even though the script doesn't give them a lot to do and they make Mikey way too fucking horny in the film, they are all great yeah i think they, i think they, they all really capture job. the characters well of course then they went and took uh leonardo's body actor his yes. motion capture performer and replaced his voice with, with johnny Not- fucking knoxville <laughs> yeah. they replace splinter's voice with tony shaloub so you and leonardo's voice with johnny knoxville why when the body actors are probably good enough i don't know who knows because why not and it is so apparent that Knox Knoxville is an awful choice. Not, I mean, not. I, I like, like Johnny I like, Knoxville. Yeah, but... I like Knoxville as a person. I think he's very funny and he's fun and jackass. But like, he sounds like a forty-year-old man in this. Yeah, Leo he sticks does not out like fit a sore thumb at all. Like Noel Fisher, Jeremy Howard, Alan Richardson. They're like in the. I think at the time the film comes out, late twenties, early thirties. And they play it and they act it in a way where it's like, even though they're six foot tall turtles, obviously played by men, they play off the juvenile nature yeah. of all three of them well. And then there's Leonardo with Knoxville's voice, and it just is like, Raph, don't do that, Raph. And he just sounds like a 40-year-old man yeah. with a bunch of teenage turtles. And it's like, why? How is this guy better? Especially when in Out of the Shadows... They use Leo's body actor as the voice, and oh my god, is he pretty, so much he's good, he's good. He's yeah. really good in Out of the Shadows, and it's like, why did you do this? Right. And it also doesn't bring up the fact that like most people probably don't know this, because it really didn't come out until two years ago when Alan Richson talked about it, I think on Collider, is they were treated like absolute garbage on that first film. They were basically, there were loopholes in their contract where they weren't getting overtime Mm -hmm. they weren't getting a meal penalty if they weren't given a meal at the right time they were working 14 hour days and were being treated like the lowest like totem pole right in a ninja turtles film the turtles were treated like shit to the point where i think alan richson said that he tried his damnedest to get out of his contract for the second film yeah and they were even told apparently for the second film they're like well, we're going to do press. You're going to be a big part of the press. You'll even get a back end on the box office. They didn't get a back end on the box office. Nope. <laughs> because the second film uh, fails. This is a box office bomb, which is a yeah. shame, which we'll get to. They because just treated like crap. Just yeah, like for, for a film that just doesn't deserve that kind of... <laughs> it doesn't deserve to have a $150 million 
yeah. budget. It doesn't really deserve to make five hundred million worldwide. No. Like it really feels like a film that like only worked at the first couple weeks open because it had the Ninja Turtles name on it and that was it. Right. That being said though, Shell Shocked is not a bad song. <laughs> that's nope. a that's a fine ending tune. That's true. Um but I'm uh let's let's get uh, let's get into the next one. Yeah. Because I feel like it is it, we've we've curved down and yes. we are gonna curve a little bit better. We're gonna come up. back up because I'm gonna be honest it's. I've been thinking about this since I watched it yesterday, and yeah, I and I don't same. necessarily know what the best way to say it is. I do think Out of the Shadows is kind of good. Yeah, I think, I think it's a it's decent movie. Good. I think it's fine. I think it's like maybe this is controversial, but I think it's like on par, maybe with, with uh, Secret of the Ooze. Secret of the Ooze. I was thinking that too when, yeah. we, when I watched it yesterday. It yeah. was like watching it. I was like, wow, this really they really did the Secret of the Ooze thing where they just got cartoonier. Mm-hmm. They just got just ridiculous. I mean, what's so crazy about Out of the Shadows, it comes out two years after the first one. The first one makes half a billion dollars, but I think critically it does like pretty much mixed mixed reviews Yeah, because it's not a good movie. And Somehow it does better than uh, TMNT. TMNT. But that's seven. just the nature of the game at times. Yeah, And... Going into this one, they get fifteen million. Oh, actually, no, it was worse on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, thank twenty-one percent. Thank God, because I at least mm-hmm. TMNT is not the worst out of the twenty-first TMNT yeah. films. But Out of the Shadows has, I think, fifteen million less money to work with. Is going to introduce five classic Ninja Turtles characters in Casey Jones, Baxter Stockman, Bebop, Rocksteady, and then Krang. Yep. Like first time we're seeing all these actors. They're replacing Shredder with Brian T. And it's very clear going into Out of the Shadows, it's brighter. It's more it's I mean it's more vibrant. The two the turtles are toned down design wise. Like yeah. they they go and from toned having toned up personality wise. Yeah, personality wise, they're toned up. Well, here's the biggest improvement in Out of the Shadows. The turtles are the fucking main characters. <laughs> yeah. They are who like, thunk that would help. The wildest thing about the jump between Ninja Turtles one and Out of the Shadows, the, the Ninja Turtles remake, is the fact that like it seemed like the studio heard all the criticism that fans and critics had with the film and just went like, okay, yeah, like April's not going to be the main character anymore. We'll do the turtles. I don't know why you want that, but okay, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll make it sillier. I don't know why you guys want that. And like they they just did everything that people asked for basically. Yeah. and. It's a fine movie. Yeah, it kind of feels less. It's still stupid. It kind of feels yeah. less like, uh, less like, oh, this was made out of love for the turtles, and more just, uh, yeah, the last one didn't work. Let's just do what everybody wants. Well, the director Dave Green, I think his yeah. name is Dave Green. He he says that he's an avid fan of Ninja Turtles. He apparently dressed up like Donatello all the time. It was his favorite turtle. <laughs> oh yeah. At I'm the sure. time, the film at the time Out of the Shadows comes out. It is his second film. His first film is Earth to Echo, which oh. is yet another film that it's like, wow. wow yeah, that, they did exist. That was a movie. That was a movie. And Oops, sorry. <laughs> you're good. Uh, and with all that, I mean, so you have a guy who's going into his second film being out of the shadows. You have, I think, the same writers from the first film, or at least the second duo that they brought in. for like. So the same writers as the Ninja Turtles remake. And Bay is still producing. Platinum Dunes is still attached. And Megan Fox is still April O'Neil. So you have a lot of the issues where it's like, well, I'm kind of cautious because maybe it's just going to be the same as the same issues as the first film. And no, 
Yeah. Like, I do think they, they use Megan Fox the appropriate amount. I don't yeah. think it makes her any better, but I do think they actually use her, like, the minimum amount to the point where it works. I think another character gets a little bit too much time, <laughs> and he's introduced, and I think, unfortunately, he's just not great. Might be the worst part of the movie. I think I... Uh, are we talking about the same character? I think we are. Uh, Casey Jones? Yes, Casey Jones. Stephen Amell as Casey Jones. So, yeah, one of the biggest... Uh, I, I don't want to say it's this, because he actually went through the interview. He went through the audition process, and they liked him. And I think a lot of it is because of his writing. But uh, Stephen Amell, who's known as Green Arrow from CW's Arrow, who ran, which feels like 57 seasons, even though it was only eight... <laughs> Uh, Stephen Amell wanted to branch out away from Arrow. I mean, who wouldn't? And decides to do this film. And to be honest, when I saw him cast as Casey, I was like, "Oh, this! I'm I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see how he plays the character. I'm excited to see how they write him. And I would like to see Stephen Amell do something that isn't Arrow because at the time that Out of the Shadows came out. Amel looked like he was in prison when he was in Arrow, before <laughs> yeah. he was in actual prison in right, the show. Right, right. So when you watch this film, and you watch Amel's performance, and you see what they give Casey, he's just not worth, he's he's useless. Yeah. He's a useless character, and he's not really Casey either, which is a bummer. Yeah. He's kind of just pure dipshit mm-hmm. comic relief, and like yeah. Casey is supposed to be, you know, a little bit goofy, a little bit snarky, kind of bumbles sometimes but he's confident he's kind of a badass he's a a vigilante yeah and And occasionally he does something stupid or says something funny but like he's kind of an edgy dude yeah he's just he's just a guy he's he's a guy with a hockey mask who loves hockey and uses hockey sticks hockey pucks guy who walks around with a chip on his shoulder type dude and in this he's an aspiring cop who Let's, fails let's, to become a cop. Yeah, he, let's talk about the fact that like his 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 quote unquote like dream to become a cop is never really shown in the film. It's <laughs> always him saying, "I want to be a cop. I'm going to yeah. be a detective one day," and he's saying that to the chief of police. Yeah, after he like, just like, totally ex- botched a case. Yeah, like after he totally botched something that in real life it, he, he really it wasn't his fault. But, yeah, but like they still treat it like it is, and it's yeah. like okay, fine, whatever, and. He just is in the film, and, like, one of the things I was hoping for is, like, well, he's, like, Raph's best friend. Maybe they'll just, like, actually give them time to shine. Nope. And they, they have, like, a squabble here and there, but there's nothing really there. No, not I mean, really the, a relationship. I mean, the other introductions are vastly more interesting, where it's, like, Tyler Perry as Baxter Stockman is something I never knew I wanted until I yeah, saw that first he's trailer. He's honestly great with what he's given. He is a... He, he is... Not he's not chewing the scenery. He is digesting he is, every scene he's in. Like he's, he's an eating everything. Cartoon. Yeah, yeah. He is. He is cheesing it up. <laughs> he has. The- <laughs> he has the goofiest mustache I've ever seen, yeah. and he is just a blast. And feels like he watched the '80s cartoon and was just doing an '80s cartoon. Yeah. Stockman, and it's, and then you go from like that to like Bebop and Rocksteady. Who are the rhino and the pig? Or it's Bebop's the pig and Roxanne's the rhino. The rhino yeah. If you're a fan out there, I'm sorry. I'm mixing up. Logan but, um, will be removed from the podcast. Yeah, of course. It'll be yes. just me from here on out. I can finally do the Planes trilogy. Yeah, you can do the Planes trilogy. <laughs> yep. Yes, you can. But with Bebop and Rocksteady, you have Gary Anthony Williams, who is a comedian, who is a voice actor. I mean, 
Every time I see him, I think of Uncle Ruckus from the Boondocks, because that's who plays Bebop. And then you have WWE's Sheamus as Rocksteady, and they both are, again, cheesing it the fuck up. (laughs) They're dressed like they came out of the cartoon. Yeah. And they are perfect fodder for kids, like little kids. Like, if if you have a kid who loves Ninja Turtles and is 10 or, like, under the age of 10, maybe 11, I think they would just get... They would love Bebop and Rocksteady in this Oh, yeah. Film. They're they fun. Are just, they're stupid. They're yeah. childish. I mean... Yeah, like, if you're an adult, you watch all their jokes and go, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Whatever. They're definitely, like, like... It's definitely, like, fart humor and stuff. But, honestly, sometimes it's so stupid. It's just like, man, they're just owning this. These characters yeah. are dumb as a box of rocks. I kind of love it. Yeah, I really just enjoy like, the fact that they're like, just, like, slapping each other's guts and yeah. farting on each other. And yeah, there's just, this, like... Uh, it's kind of a Beavis and Butthead type thing where it's just like, man, this is so incredibly stupid, I can't help but be amused by it. Yeah, because there's a... I think the one moment that pops up the most in my head is when they're in the planetarium, kind of the Museum of Natural History, and, like, Rock City goes, like, wow, can't believe, like... The Big Bang created all this, and Bebop's like, you know what else is a Big Bang? And then he farts in his hand and throws (laughs) it in Bebop's face. And it's like, what the fuck is this? But I kind of love that, that, like, compared to the first film where they turned the Foot Clan into basically the Taliban, I really just enjoy the dumb shit they do in this film. It's goofy, and it's kind of... And also, you know, Brian T. is Shredder. He is a nothing character, but he feels like how the 80s Shredder is used. Yeah. Where he's like kind of a a footnote in another villain's kind of plan. Yeah. And like, yeah. It's great to think that in the film, Shredder betrays Baxter Stockman and then Krang betrays Shredder. <laughs> yeah. And it's just really fun to, to see Brian T just like play super serious. Yeah. And just like every time he shows up, he looks... Like how you think a Shredder would look like. Yeah, he's kind of scary, kind of beat up. Yeah. Kinda His mask is still him. the shitty mask from the first film, uh, but that's yeah. how this was going to happen. Yeah. And, I mean, and then we got Krang. But Krang. if you don't know who Krang is, Krang looks like... He's the a way brain that, with arms. He's tentacles. a brain with, with tentacles. It's like you mix, like, a, they said, like, chewed up bubblicious. Yeah. With like uh, ground beef, yeah. Like he just looks like this yeah, gross, Leo disgusting. Calls him at yeah, one point. Yes, let's he, go, bubblicious. Yes, he does. And he's just—it's hilarious how he's introduced. He's just thrown in. He yeah. literally is like basically Very Shredder early in the movie. Yeah, and then Shredder you don't tries see much to es- Shredder tries to escape prison with the teleporter. <laughs> the teleporter just fucks up and gets the wrong location, and then he gets shows up in Krang's ship. Well, it's because it's revealed that the teleporter was Krang's teleporter yes. all along, yes, and he lost correct. it. And, Krang and then Baxter basically, Stockman found it and yeah. tried to use it, but it didn't work, and it sent him sent Shredder to Krang. Yeah, and, Krang, and then Krang just spells out to shredder he's like you're gonna do all these things for me because i'm the new bad guy and then you're gonna be home you're gonna be the leader of earth and then when he does all those things crane goes just kidding you're a statue you're you're mine now freezes him puts him in his collection yeah which in that collection for the third film which i'm we're totally getting yeah absolutely which in that scene where he gets frozen i saw a triceraton which i thought was a cute little nod to the comics and Apparently a neutrino's in there too, which they is funny. Do and care. Yes, <laughs> I care now. Says Paramount <laughs> Nickelodeon. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the plot is ridiculous and silly, and and there's the, a lot, a lot more fun just turtles being turtles moments. Yeah, the turtles are actual around, characters. They're 
jumping it's, around in the sewers. There, there's a whole extended sequence where they go to a Knicks game and they're sitting in the jumbotron watching the game. If there's anything that Mikey I think gets a character this arc. film does better than Secret of the Ooze is discuss like how the ooze affects the turtles. Where like in yeah. Secret of the Ooze, the this, this Secret of the Ooze is it was made by TGRI. Because it's not TCRI in that one. Yeah. And then in this, the secret they use is is in this film. It's one of the dumbest things they do, but it's also really funny where it's like there's this purple ooze that if you put it on a human, it unlocks like its animal ancestry. Right, right. Where it's like, oh, maybe you have a lion in your ancestry or maybe you have a warthog. Yeah, Baxter Sutton kind of articulates this pseudoscience that all humans have a a different animal locked away in their DNA. It's the silliest. Is this anamorphs now? Yeah, it's like everyone should be a monkey, I think, or a primate or something. (laughs) But like what's interesting, the most interesting part about it is that Donatello finds out if they take enough of that ooze, they could become human. Which kind and of also doesn't make sense. No, it's it like, doesn't. Why does the chemical work in reverse? No, I don't but know. like, but what I love about it, one of the best scenes in my opinion in the film. It's also one of the trippiest things, but it works so well is that Donatello tests the ooze on his hand, and then his hand becomes a green, scaly human hand. Yeah, it gets like five, goes and, from three finger to five finger. And in that time, like Leonardo is worried that this is going to basically like, uh, is basically going to distract the rest of them. And so yeah. he's like, Donnie, don't tell Mikey and Raphael. And then brings in, I think, genuinely decent conflict yeah. amongst There's the turtles. There's a solid inner turmoil. Thing. Yeah, and I think it's really well done. And again, I think Peter Plazek as Leonardo captures not the best version of Leonardo. It's pretty mm. much just a, a like a just a laced up kind of like you know I'm the leader, you listen to me. Yeah. But he he handles it incredibly well. Yeah. Like I I don't agree that he's like the type of Leonardo where it's like my, only my opinion matters, which is what he no. says like early on. Yeah, he has like, a couple lines that are like really with Leonis. But what works? Say it, that? But he says it with such intensity, such conviction. It's yeah. like good. That like is really good scene. I yeah. like that. Yeah, kind of like, reminded you know, me of the the line in the 07 movie that I'm better than you. Oh, yeah. and it's <laughs> like okay, Leo's just flexing right and now. And lastly, I'm Leo's. Than he's you. still he's still a teenager. Mm-hmm. He's got an attitude. He may be the leader and the responsible one, but he's still kind of an asshole. Yeah, and it's and that that's like their biggest emotional kind of crux and their remote like hold kind of like conflict yeah. is becoming a family again and trying to figure out somewhere to TMNT how to fight as a team. Yeah. And I do I do kind of feel like that whole like oh this could turn us human again kind of doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. Um cuz ultimately the the kind of dilemma towards the end is oh do we enter into society? Will society accept us? Well that's you know, the, the but, funny thing though too is in but that But they don't scene, really address the human part of it again mm-hmm. after the that conflict. Well they address in the film and like when Krang succeeds and he gets the Technodrome, which if you know anything about old school Ninja Turtles from the cartoon, it's the it's the dome with a huge eyeball on the top of it. Yeah. Um, once he succeeds in getting the Technodrome kind of coming through our universe, there's a moment where Donatello says, like, due to the atmosphere and, like, the radiation and whatnot that's coming from Krang's ship, only they can go up there. But even then, they they don't say that it's like maybe we we're supposed to be like yeah. this. They still have to ask themselves, well, do we want to do that, or do we want to pretend to be human? Yeah. And it's like, well, I feel like the answer is pretty clear. And then it just takes like a little bit longer to get to Raph just destroying the ooze. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do like things where it's like, 
I like the whole uh, the the cops like shielding them when they try to get up to the tower yeah, and whatnot yeah. and kind of I, uh, oh they're the heroes mm-hmm. of the city now. I also love how in the beginning of the film where they go to a Knicks game, a wonderful Ninja Turtle scene where it's just like they get a piece of they get a pizza that's not po- uh, Pizza Hut. Thank you for changing that in the yeah. second film. And it's going to generic, I think. Yeah, it's just a generic, which feels like that's what you would get yeah, in New yeah. York. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, just like a, a mom local and pop. pizza place. <laughs> and they go to a Knicks game, and they fuck up, and they drop a pizza pizza in the Knicks game because <laughs> they're the jumbotron. And one of the funniest moments is like I think similar to the moments in the original films where a Los Angeles Clippers slip on like if he <laughs> slips on the piece of pizza, starts complaining about it, and then a referee just goes. Hey, it's New York. And it's yeah, like, you're welcome oh, to New York. It felt very much like the same vibe of let them get their own cab <laughs> yeah, for the yeah, second yeah. one and all that shit. And it was like out of the shadows, it's just fun. Yeah, it's just a decent movie. It's okay. Yeah. Like it, it's also like yeah, it's dumb, but that's it's because it's like we know you just want like the '80s cartoon. Yeah, and we're just we'll just do the '80s cartoon. Yeah. And if you want to watch something more serious, you can watch the Nickelodeon show. <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah. You watch it and you go, cool, this is fun, I'm having a good time. But then you like, then you watch the end of it and you go, well, they're not going to make a third one, are they? I know they probably do trilogies now, but like, are they going to do a third one? And then <laughs> Out of the Shadows is made on a $135 million budget, but only makes 245 Bummer. Doesn't even make half of the 2014 film's but, yeah. uh, box office. And what's kind of sad, too, is it doesn't seem anybody doesn't seem a single person is disappointed by this the ninja no. turtle actors are just like well thank god we don't have to do a third one yeah they were pissed like, off no, at yeah. that point like i think megan fox and will arnett i mean i don't think any i don't think anyone really cared that this series existed yeah but, but i'm glad that out of the shadows is at least like a fun kind of yeah. last film and to be honest personally and i don't know that i'm disappointed that they didn't get a third i am one. not disappointed at all. i enjoyed the second one a lot more than the first one yeah. but like you know, it could have been a, you know, uh, kind of a, what do you call it? A fluke. Um, the, that one being kind of good could have been a fluke. Yeah. And, like, to be honest, we didn't need more, like, I mean, it makes sense. corporate Michael Bay ripoff yeah. franchise. The reboots. 2014 film burns a lot of fans and a lot of audience members. Yeah. And they think that the second one's not going to probably be any better. It is better, but they've burnt a lot of that fan base off to the yeah. point where they just don't make a lot of money. Right. And it's not surprising. And thankfully, uh, we weren't. This is not going to be a frequent we're doing next week or anything like that. But <laughs> they have announced that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are producing a fully animated Ninja Turtles film that's apparently coming out in 2023. Which uh, with, we're really excited. Oh for. my god, yeah! Because one of the it's it's directed by the writer, one of the writers and one of the directors of the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is a great movie. Which I believe it's the director that voices the son. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I think it's him. Yeah. And I think that is absolutely perfect yeah. because I, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I personally loved the Mitchells versus the oh, Machines. Oh, I loved it. It was awesome. I, there's nothing more I want than seeing more films like that. So if you give that guy the budget to make that kind of like, yeah, rubber hosey kind of manic animation that is not Disney it's whatsoever. Not Disney, not Pixar. It's yeah. doing its own thing. Kind of, you know, kind of what you know spider-verse was doing and what yeah. mitchell's did and kind of like pushing animation mm-hmm. in a different direction yeah that perfect for the ninja turtles and it's also the fact that like the most recent show that i think just got canceled unfortunately 
has some of the best TV animated fights I've seen in a long time. Yeah, like, American. So, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, American, of course. But, like, they're so well done. And I think we're yeah. now getting to a point where, like, we can finally respect how to do Ninja Turtles and kind of do yeah. the animation. And, like, we're now at a point where, like, if anyone's going to do it, it probably is people who are fans and feel like we can do it this Absolutely, way. I mean, yeah. especially with Rogan and Goldberg, who are just on a winning streak almost <laughs> of just taking comic book adaptations yeah. and making them interesting, if not just fairly decent in the long yeah. run. I mean, you got Preacher, The Boys, Invincible. Like, I mean, you just, you just I mean, I'm just excited. And I've, I don't regret rewatching these films. I just feel like. Once that new one comes out and it's if it's as good as we want it to be, I feel like unfortunately for the 2007 film, all those three films are going to be pushed to the wayside. Yeah, and will be lost to time. Like where it's like these are the times they tried to do Ninja Turtles in different ways, and here's how they failed. Yeah, and it sucks because the 2007 film deserves a lot of love, but that's the nature of Hollywood in general and how films and kind of trends. But at the same time. I'm kind of glad that, like, out of the six Ninja Turtle films that we've gotten so far in theaters, only one of them, I think, is genuinely awful, or at least very bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, Teenage Mutant Turtles 3 isn't good, but it's not as bad as I remembered yeah. it being. Yeah, and, it's kind of just mediocre. And then yeah. 2014 is bad, and then this one, the last one, is kind of all right. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a solid end that you go. Oh, they're not making another one. Well, at least they did that, I guess. Yeah, at least it feels, especially kind of towards the end of Out of the Shadows, kind of feels like a you know at least mm-hmm. somewhat loving send off to the characters. Yeah. It's kind of like they, they a, get, oh, they're they get, heroes in New York now. Yay! Yeah, they don't become like actual superheroes where everyone loves them in New York, but they get recognition yeah. that they wanted, and that's good. That's fun, yeah. and <laughs> I do love at the, after the ending fight. Uh, in Out of the Shadows, when they go in for their like team huddle high five, like, oh they can't down say thing. turtle power. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> Leo great. goes to say like we got you know we got we won because we've got yeah. this, and then they all go turtle power and then on Raph. three. But Raph goes garbage truck. Oh, that <laughs> was like, such a, that's such a good moment. Like wait, garbage? Well, we do we do have a garbage. Truck. Yeah, it's I mean that's again it's just a very fun movie. Yeah, and it, and and it, it gets, lets the turtles be yeah. the turtles. Am I gonna rewatch the film anytime soon? No, but you know. I don't, I don't think it's a horrible rewatch. And with that said, we're done. We've done all six Ninja Turtle films. We don't regret going through them. I don't feel mm. like we need to really do rankings as to which ones are nah. our favorites. We've kind of just kind of touched on that. So it's time to talk about what we're doing next, or at least tease it. Yeah, tease you. So this tickle, next Tickle week, your underbellies. Of course. So today's the 10th because we always record live. Right. And for the 17th, we are going to be taking a week off, mainly because, I know, boo, boo, mainly because, to be honest, I am just going to be very busy personally in the next week. Yeah, we both are. It's a very busy time. I was going to say, you're pretty busy already. Yeah, so it's a good time time for a little bit of a break. And so after that, on the 24th, we're going to be doing something that is actually modern, that is happening at the moment is one probably one of the first times something like this has happened. It's hip. It's now. It's, it's now. And wow. And how? And I won't say we won't say much. You just definitely watch social media, but it's pretty fucking killer. And I'm excited. Yeah. And I'm excited to see how they all come together because by the at the time we are recording this, not all the films have been released yet. 
So tune in on the 24th when we do our next three in one episode that I'm super excited about. It's actually 10 in one. We're doing the entire Fast and Furious (laughs) series. I just recoiled. (laughs) And I'm a fan and I recoiled. But uh, tune in on the 24th for our next trilogy. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.